People <laughs> will spend hours and hours and days and weeks and months planning a wedding, but they actually don't set the foundation to have a good marriage. Mm-hmm. It's the event, the symbolism of the event that's so important, the idea of the union. But to make it work, to make that marriage work, I mean, some people get lucky, but there's a lot of people that have, you know, huge stuff to go through, to work through before they can really have the kind of relationship they want. And it's just not part of common knowledge. An article she wrote that had a a title that just hit me between the eyes and it just made it all clear to me. It's when wounds collide. Because both everybody has their own emotional wounds, mm-hmm. and if you start a long-term relationship with somebody, sooner or later those those wounds are going to start bumping. Take a girl and a guy, and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it, and 20 years later, we give you power couple, Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Be sure to check us out online on our Facebook page and Instagram at Couples Synergy or our website, couplesynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couples Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for nearly 20 years. You know, every day we get to hear intimate details about a couple's celebrations, disappointments, and everyday challenges. We've often wished these stories were shared because we know we are more similar than different. So we've created not only an avenue where you can hear about people's intimate lives, but an atmosphere where people come over to our home pub, pour a drink, and share their stories. People like today's guests, Jennifer and Mike, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. We're happy to be here. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And Jennifer is an author, marriage and family therapist, and the founder and creator of Weconcile, an affordable online DIY relationship restoration program for couples. And we're definitely going to get into that and about the work that she does. But before that, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves? How old are you? What do you guys do for a living? And how long have you been together? Um, well, um, Mike is currently 73, and I'm currently 60. And we met in 2008. In 2008, and we got married in 2012. So we've been together um, 12 years. About There's a little front-end story to that, though. I, I got divorced from my first marriage the age of 51 in 1998. And for the next 10 years, I dated around, but I just, I couldn't really figure out how to do the relationship thing. So early in 2008, I went to the best psychiatrist in San Diego. And um, she was working as an analyst. She's working as an analyst. And I, my presenting issue to her was, I need to know if I'm able to do this relationship stuff or not. And she helped me peel back my early childhood stuff. I had a violent alcoholic father and, you know, terrible upbringing. And months after I started with her, I met Jennifer. And had I not done that therapy, I don't think this ever would have happened. So is there a, uh, a story that goes with that or how you guys met? Um, yeah, it's not one we really want to make public. <laughs> uh, 
Well, we can edit it out, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, we met through a mutual friend and um, clicked right away. And um, it took a while before we actually, like, we sort of didn't be, you know, really start dating for till for a while. She had no intention of putting us together romantically. The friend that, yeah, the friend, um, yeah, she, she, anyway, we won't go into that. The now oh, ex, tell, the, tell them the, no, tell them the no, good one. No, the now ex-friend. Um, which one that she could have had him? Yeah. Uh, at one point, she said to me, "I could have had him." <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway, that that didn't go over so well. A little competition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, she didn't want him, but anyway, we won't. There's some sorted stuff back there. So anyway, we've been together since 2008, and um, we, I started uh, actually conceived of Weconcile in 2007, I believe. I was going through a divorce in 2007. Um, a very, very difficult divorce. And I was also working with a lot of couples and I, the people who were coming, the people who were coming to me did not have enough resources. They didn't have the money to do, you know, two hour sessions weekly or whatever they needed. And so I, I realized that it, it would be possible to create an educational system to help them. And uh, I can tell more about that, but Mike, um, I started writing uh, we can sell started uh, conceiving and writing it probably really got into writing it in 2011 it, it took three or four years of writing I did a lot of training and a lot of research but Mike was the my editor so he read everything multiple times <laughs> and as a result we talked about a lot of stuff and it, it helped us work through stuff that and plus I'm a therapist so I have skills that he doesn't have but it helped us work through um issues as they arose because we were already we were building the system and we and some of that got integrated i mean working with clients got integrated in it working in our relationship got integrated it but it, so it was very organic and connected to our, our own relational path but i think we have an advantage because she's a couple therapists like you're a therapist too right right well we both are yeah oh you both are well yeah. i i tell my friends it's like living in an emotional growth boarding school <laughs> yeah <laughs> this one so anyway, we've got the rough, you know, in the beginning, there's more waves. And once you work, work through them, things really, you know, smooth out. So we're in, we've been in a good place for a long time. How did you know that this was your person? Um, I, I, well, he almost wasn't my person. <laughs> <laughs> because early on, he went back to his, his previous girlfriend and I, and I called a halt to the whole thing. But then he ended up breaking up with her and he became my person. I just, there were just, I needed a, a couple of more therapy sessions. You need a couple more. <laughs> we um, had a, uh, I don't know. Sometimes you just know, just felt like I knew. Mm -hmm. What about for you, Mike? But, well, when we first started dating, we both came to the table with, I never want to get married again. We were both saying that because both of our marriages were not that fun. Our first marriages. marriages. Yeah. And uh, I think it was in late 11, I was in, uh, I'm a public speaker and I was in Las Vegas for a big sales convention and I took Jennifer with me. And on my way down to my talk, there was a, uh, a wedding chapel in the hotel. And I didn't run right in then, but it, until I saw that, I didn't even think about getting married. And then I saw that and I said, we should get married. It was just the most logical thing in the world to me. And then at breakfast, we went in the diner or whatever. And I said, you know, it was real, very romantic. I said, you know, I think we should get married. <laughs> you know, we hear that a lot with people that have gone through divorce. 
especially if the divorce is messy. Um, can you guys talk about why is marriage something that you felt was important aside from just, you know, being a couple? Just like right. cohabitating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, right. Um, I For me, here's, here's where you get into Sue Johnson's work and, atta- you know, the attachment. Sure. Feelings mm-hmm. secure, all that. Um, and it also, you know, you really have to, it's, the commitment changes it. it. You really do have to go deeper. And, um, you know, there's no, the back door is, you know, you can still get out if you get divorced, but it's much trickier, you know, than, okay, I'm done. I'm out of here. And, you know, interestingly, like, you know, in Hollywood, there's so many more divorces because there's no need to work it out. There's no, there's, it's almost like there's too much freedom. Um, and so you just skip your lesson and move on to the next thing, sort of. Whereas, um, yeah, I think that you can do a lot of learning in a relationship and working through your wounds and um, do a lot of healing. And I think it's you, it's more, it's easier, you're more forced into it if you choose to make it solid. So you're willing it. to work more. Maybe. Yeah, you're more invested. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not as easy to, you know, to escape from it. You, you have to actually sit in it and work through things. Because it's yeah. much more difficult to just to part ways. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, when I thought about it, um, I, I was 65 when we got married. And uh, that was the first time in my life I ever wanted to be married. My first wife gave me the marry me or lose me ultimatum when I was 25 and she was 20. Oh. And I resented her basically for 26 years. But we had three kids and I didn't want to not live with my kids. So I stuck it out until my second natural child went off to college. And then I pulled the plug in 1988, but she did, she went kicking and screaming. Yeah. We see that. It's hard. So, I mean, it sounds like you guys learned a lot from your first marriages that you now apply, you know, to your marriage today. I I learned what I don't ever want again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Has age ever been a factor for you guys? How does that play out? So I'm 13 years younger. Um, not really. I don't think the age has anything to do with it, but I do have a rare form of muscular dystrophy. So my mobility is really, weakened. really weakened. And uh, if I didn't have that, she wouldn't be able to keep up with me. <laughs> I'm serious. And, and you know it. I'd still be traveling around the world giving speed. Well, not during COVID, but, you know. Mm-hmm. My life, my activity level is dialed way back. We're in a lovely spot to be isolated. So, uh, so what was it about the other person that you fell in love with? I had a combination of logical on my left brain and emotional on my right brain. So on the logical, she really impressed me. When I first met her, she was trying to build her, her therapy business and I'm in sales marketing. So I was giving her some pointers and some things she could do, build some stories and stuff like that. And I'd make a suggestion to her and, and two days later, it's done. And I said, I've never met anybody in my life who gets done like Jennifer Lear. <laughs> and so that was, I really admired. So I admired that and that she's really smart and compassionate and love animals. But on the emotional side, she really reminds me of my mother who I lost at the age of 18. Mm. a lot she reminds me of my mother so there there was both things for me 
Yeah, and for me, um, he was just easy to talk to. Felt like we had a really uh, good um, communication and we had chemistry, but definitely um, our communication was, you know, until we got into the tough stuff, uh, which, you know, that's when it breaks down and we had to figure that out. But initially um, we just were like in sync. So, yeah. And a high level of trust. Yeah. Yeah. My first wife never really got me. And uh, Jennifer gets me. And so, yeah. I trust the the fact that I can be myself, I don't have to pretend anything. That, I can awesome. just be my authentic self and I don't get any flack or judgment or pushback or anything on it. And and I think she feels the same way. She can be her crazy self and, <laughs> you know, I'm okay. <laughs> Yeah. So what we know about, you know, doing this kind of work, you know, is sometimes you're coaching couples through it and sometimes you're going through it yourself, right? Mm-hmm. As a relationship. And we are oh, yeah. constantly yeah. working on things together within our relationship. We're going on 24 years now mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, we're always learning something new. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that, how does that affect you, Jennifer, and kind of doing the work and then also, you know, kind of being in living it, you're living it, you know, in your relationship. Right. So the work I'm doing right now is more education as opposed to seeing people. Um, but um, everything, you know, I have relatives in relationships and, you know, friends in relationships and um, uh, our relationship and all of it, all of it is part of the big cauldron where stuff is being brewed and looked at and moved around and uh, untangled and rewoven. And um, it's just part of, uh, you know, it's a big piece of what my life's about. So it all is, it's an enriching process. One of the defining moments, because Jennifer is a very prolific writer besides Wiggenthal, she blogs and stuff. And an article she wrote that had a, a title that just, hit me between the eyes and it just made it all clear to me. It's when wounds collide mm. because both everybody has their own emotional wounds. Mm-hmm. And if you start a long-term relationship with somebody sooner or later, those, those wounds are going to start bumping. And, Absolutely. and when they bumped, Jennifer guided me through them, you know, in a way that, you know, I'd never, if she weren't so talented, I, I, I think I'm a difficult person to be married to, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, you know, I know what, you know, for me, I, I don't even know if we're getting off topic here, but um, because I had a, you know, I have an enormous amount of training and um, he didn't have any. So when we get stuck and we both have early trauma. So, you know, we go to these places that are, you know, disconnected from knowing how to connect or we did. And so at some point I realized that I was going to be up to the one who I was going to have to be the one who got out of where I was at first and reached um, because there's no way he didn't have the ability to do it. And once I figured that out and was actually able to, you know, get my emotional brain under control, get my cognitive brain moving, uh, that was a big turning point. Um, it was a definite realization, like an aha. Okay, I actually am the therapist. I actually do have to help because we're not seeing a therapist and we're stuck right now. So 
but I was able to. So that's um, and my first wife fought everything to the mat, everything. And she so was um, a right fighter. Yeah, she has some personality issues. Shall we say. So anyway, so I'm highly sensitive to the um, volatility. The volatility, yeah. and my father was huge yeah. in volatile too, violent alcoholic. So yeah. the, the start, volatility just makes my stomach. We um, started deconstructing because after yeah. we get into a conflict, this is quite a while ago. Um, he, I would ask him what was going on. He'd say his stomach would feel cold. And then eventually realized mm -hmm. that's how he felt as a child when his father was in a violent rage. Mm -hmm. So we started unpacking, you know, what was happening, what was actually happening. Um, yeah, so yeah, so we did a, a lot but of- But she never gets defensive. Yeah. Not very often. Well, one of the things that I really like that you guys kind of said is that, you know, you didn't fall in love with the potential of the person. You fell in love with who the person is. And right. I think that's that's yeah. the, like the number one mistake, especially when we're early in relationships. And then you felt safe with each other. You trusted each other. And the idea of wounds colliding, absolutely. We get wounded through relationship and we heal through relationship. Can you guys talk about how did you prepare yourself to be the person who could fall in love with another person authentically as opposed to looking for a fixer upper, which is a big problem oh, people make first on that one. Yes, dear. <laughs> so, um, you know, relationships were my Achilles heel. Um, mm. uh, cause I grew up in a, a family. My father was uh, violent and my mother was probably Asperger-y, you know, on the, on the spectrum. Um, no, very, no, emo no empathy or compassion her emotional or, self. Yeah. So I went out into the world and had a series of very bad relationships. Um, and so I, you know, you know, probably between therapy and training and work, personal therapy and training and workshops and everything, I probably had 30 years of therapy. So, you know, I, <laughs> I'm not the same person I used to be at all. <clears throat> and I've been, you know, when I was 29, I had a crisis in my life. And um, that's when I, that's when I said, oh, something's wrong with me and I have to deal with it. And that was a light bulb that went off. So, um, <clears throat> so that's, um, yeah, when you spend that many years um, doing self-work, uh, you change your, the outcome of everything. But for me, it was going to Judy Braun, the psychiatrist, and her helping me unpeel, put narrative around all my early childhood trauma, where I could talk about it and process it in my logical brain. And I had I not had her help with that, I don't know. Because I had never really succeeded in a relationship up until that point. You know, one of the things that we talk about is that, you know, this is not pathological work. This really is developmental work. Yeah. And our our life changes so rapidly that we really can't go back to our parents who really didn't have have the skills or whatever to teach us yeah. and so yeah that's why doing this work is so important because we're everything is so intense right now and you know thanks for sharing that you guys did do the work it's not like you just woke up one day and lived happily yeah, ever no. after <laughs> but, it, but uh, the horrible hendrix book um getting the love you want in the beginning where he talks about how we're just somehow mysteriously attracted to people we're going to help us with our unfinished business with our parents. And my father was an alcoholic. And my 
first wife's father was an alcoholic. We'd both grown up with alcoholic fathers. So there was a whole bunch of unfinished business here on both sides. But, uh, oof, I'm glad that's over. You know, Mike, in, in my experience, a lot of men kind of put the blinders on, you know, in their lives. And they don't really take a look at their past history and their upbringing. In fact, they kind of smooth yeah. it over. And they say that, you know, uh, it was fine. I grew up fine. And my parents right. were great people, you know. And they're not really able to look at those wounds that they carry into their relationships. Often they blame their partner, you know, for the pain that they're experiencing. Yeah, yeah. And typically, you know, when we are seeing a couple, it's it's typically the woman that's bringing the, the couple into yep, yep, the work right. that we're doing. They're, she's yeah. the one initiating yeah. it. So, yep. you know, it's kind of great when I, when I, you know, encounter, you know, uh, another male that has gone through that kind of insightful work, you know, and I was just wondering what prompted you to, to decide, you know what, I, I need to do something about this. Um, well, you know, I came up real poor and I got coerced into my first marriage. So I had really never had enough money in my pocket to go on a real date until I was 50 years old, 51 years old when my relationship ended. So for the next 10 years, I just dated and I, every woman I'd start a relationship with, I say, just so you know, I have no intention of doing anything long-term. We can be friends. We have common interests, movies, whatever, you know, travel. We're good. But, um, but why did you decide to see Judy? Because after 10 years of that, oh. it was like, where's the love, right? I mean, I, I just, it was unsatisfying. Right. You went for fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I went for fun, but I'd never yeah. really, yeah. I didn't know what a healthy relationship looked like, felt like, or anything. You know, you don't know, you, you don't know what you don't know. Right. There's yeah. this concept that pain is like the opening up of a seed, and the more that piece of you starts to grow, the less painful it becomes. And so I know initially most people get into this work because of pain, because there's, mm -hmm. there's, a, there's an unsatisfactory thing or, or even worse, you know, a lot of trauma and pain. Is that true for you guys? Have you found that as you grow, the pain lessens? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very little pain. And now at my age, my rear view memory is diminishing rapidly. I mean, I can't tell you about a book I read last week. So <laughs> I'm just living in the present and in the future. I, the past is the past. Sometimes that's the best place to be, right? Just in the yeah. present. <laughs> if you hadn't found each other and had a, a healthier version of relationship, would you prefer to be single? Ask that question one more time. If you hadn't found each other and right. created a healthier relationship, would you have preferred to be single rather than be in a relationship that was unhealthy? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I so. Yeah. I was very comfortably being single for 10 years. Yeah, wouldn't you yeah. say? He, yeah. Well, you're comfortably a, single. Yeah. He was comfortably <laughs> single. Yeah. yeah. No, the, um, I mean, if it was an unhappy relationship that was being worked on and there was progress being made, that's, yeah, that's, that would be, I mean, that was my first marriage. It was an unhappy relationship. And, um, um, my, I basically said to my, before I married that person that we had to do therapy together or I was leaving and he said, yes, but then he didn't really want to do it. 
So it was working with that uh, work, trying to sort something through with someone who didn't want who didn't want to go into basically huge feelings of shame covered up by anger. He didn't want to go down there. And so we didn't get a lot done. We have that in common because I tried for years to do therapy with my first wife. We had a standing Saturday morning appointment. Two thirds of the time, she'd say, well, you're the one that's unhappy. You go. I don't want to go. Which doesn't work at all. And so, no. Now, no, and the doesn't. primary reason she didn't want to go is she had to behave herself in front of him. And he'd, she'd have to let me finish a sentence. And she wouldn't do it one-on-one. -on -one. And she hated having to let me be able to just get my thoughts out because she took everything as an attack. There, so, you know, if they, she just would not, could not work with me. Yeah. yeah, that is one of the things when, you know, you look at how couples get together, there is this mysterious law of attraction where you will attract someone who is ready to be your greatest teacher. If, yeah, yeah, if right. it yeah, works I, that I, way. I that. Yep. Yeah. And if you, if one of you starts working on it, it will pull on that law of attraction and it can break a relationship. Right. And so that's what happened to me because I did, you know, I was, I went to, um, that's when I, in the first marriages is when I went back to grad school and when I, you know, I started, you know, doing a lot of training and blah, blah, blah. And I was growing, 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 growing. And my husband was not growing, not growing, not growing, not growing. And finally it was just like, you know, we're done. <laughs> it was real simple. It was, I hit a point. It was just a click. Oh, we're done. This I've, we're in two different, completely different places. And he's not interested in doing what it would take to have the emotional connection that I require. Basically. And she tried everything. Cause when I met her, her hair was falling out. No, that was cause we had a difficult divorce. You're divorced from him. Yes. Yeah. But that's how stressful that was, her the, first marriage well, was. Well, it wasn't the marriage. It was the divorce. I understand. That was really stressful. But, so yeah. anyway, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So and then once we went into that, it was like, oh, okay. So now I see who you are when we're really at odds. There's no way I would even consider working on this at this point because of where he went. So Jennifer, was your past experience in relationships the motivation to go into marriage and family therapy? I, um, yes. Well, my past, it's complicated. well, my past experience of relationships my past experience of my relationship to myself, to the world, and to others is what made me decide to get into therapy. I was working in the film business um, before I got into, I went to art school and then I got into film and um, because I love images. And I realized when I was working in the film business, I was in the camera department that talking to people about what was going on in their lives was way more interesting to me than doing a beautiful image for a, a stupid story. So that process made me get out decide to go back to school and um, become a therapist and I just really did I did a lot of work on myself when I was younger you know working with uh, parts you know like emotional work journaling other side of the hand back and forth just a lot a lot of different stuff and so I had a lot of tools before I even went to grad school um, and so it just sort of pulled together really quickly and well. Yeah. How did, how did I, I've probably helped um, thousands of men have better relationships with their wives, wouldn't you say? I don't know. Because I have a sales training business and the majority of the stu corporate students are men. And 
a couple of areas that we helped them in. One was vulnerability because they were raised by these macho fathers and, you know, and the other thing is story tending. We have a connection model for salespeople with their customers with story as a model, a framework for a build a great story, tell it, and then tend it. So the skill of tending the other person's story is something that we're teaching them. So the night two homework assignment is to spend 30 minutes tonight and tend the story of someone you love. And so they go and they'll get their spouse and say, and it's, they're not supposed to tell her the person that's an assignment. They're supposed to just naturally say, God, um, Jennifer, refresh my memory again on that year you had where this happened and that happened when you found out you got Lyme disease. You know, pose, uh, help me understand more and then tend that story for 30 minutes and most of these guys come into the workshop the next morning grinning from ear to ear because they got lucky after they <laughs> did that half hour of just tending their spouse's story without, you know, trying to, no agenda, you know, no problem solving, no tit for tat, just tend, tending the emotion behind the story. Right, which actually came from Wakensau. Which came from Wakensau. Right. So, so. Her, her practice influenced my uh, sales training business. Yeah. And... Uh, we teach them how to tend the story of the buyer, but really tend anybody's story. And uh, so their, their relationships with everybody in their lives can get better. Well, I think that's a good segue. Jennifer, why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, Weconcile. Weconcile? Yeah, Weconcile. Instead of Reconcile, it's right. Weconcile. Um, yeah, so I started writing it. I don't know. I, I, did, a, I did a lot of training um, emotionally focused therapy training. I already had a lot of other training and I dabbled in different couples training, but I um, decided to try to systemize the education, the work, walk people through what they had to learn first and what they had to learn next in order to start building uh, understanding of their cycle, um, building safety, teaching about vulnerability, uh, getting them to open up their feelings, starting to look at what happened in their past that was influenced today. So it was a big, long process of writing and training, training, writing, and uh, putting it together. And so um, it's a desktop version and it's, um, it's massive. It's just way, it's too much for, I mean, it would take uh, someone, you know, a year to get through the whole thing. It's wow. really massive. Crazy massive, but we found that people two things: one that the um, people who have used it and the we get you know feedback from beta beta people and current people, and the feedback we've gotten is they don't they want to do it on an app, and on they, a mobile device on a mobile device, and they would also like to have a have it be less linear where they can jump around more. It's set, it's set up very linearly because I like, there's no therapist. They've got to learn this before they learn that. Mm -hmm. So we are reconfiguring it right now so that it will be an app and there will be, um, it, it'll be going like going from learning from the encyclopedia Britannica to learning from Google. Yeah. So it's, we're re <laughs> rethinking it. We're taking the content and we're reorganizing it and making it uh, accessible differently. So it's been a major, 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 major piece of work for the last 10 years. Um, and we're not quite done um, because we're, it's not where it's not yet uh, consumable enough. 
unless you want to, unless you're in a school and you just want to learn. Unless you know. you're a, a professor, and, you know, I mean, well, the well-educated people were our biggest fans. Right. You know, like, yeah. The more intelligent yeah. they are, the more they love it. Yeah. But that's a problem. <laughs> so, I mean, it would be great for a, a school course because we don't educate yeah. kids about relationships. It's oh. all by osmosis. And then you're out in the world and you they're, have to figure it out. They're modeling <clears throat> their parents. So um, it would be great for education. But right now we're reconfiguring it so that it is more modern because I started it quite a while ago and it needs to be uh, modernized. Um, but it's, I put, you know, it's a, it's got a huge amount of me in it and a huge amount of my clients in it and a huge amount of not, you know, not that they're identified, but the dynamics. Um, so that people can start, re you know, there's reading about, well, what do you, this is what's happening and what do you do and what do you need to learn? And anyway, that's what it is right now. <laughs> and, you know, so many of the stories in there, you know, she's changed my name to protect my identity. <laughs> that's, not, that's not quite true. Anyway. <laughs> So yeah, so it's um I I I did I took the stages uh, the steps and sta the stages and steps of emotionally focused therapy, um, and I broke that down. Okay, how what would a person need to learn on paper to accomplish this stage and this step, and that's how I did it. I really um, broke down what what does a person you know what does this entail and how do they do it without a third person sitting there because that was the thing that was scared me. I'm like, can this be done without a third person? person. And um, it can for some people. The learning's experiential. Not for everyone, but okay. there are, there are, plus therapy, a therapy, you can go to therapy and also use it, you know, I mean, it can be, uh, it can help the therapist. You have a client coming in who actually knows paragraphs and sentences, sentences and paragraphs about relationships and isn't learning ABC. So it can really help uh, provide a support for someone who's doing couples work and don't, you know, the, the couple needs to do some extra learning. And so you, and so you're not just educating them. You're not holding education and processing. You can focus on processing because they're already being educated. Right. right. So it breaks those two apart more mm -hmm. and um, gives the therapist a little bit more. So anyway, that's mm -hmm. uh, part of what was my thinking was, but I did do it anyway, despite my fear of this house is ever going to work. And it, it, you know, and um, it seems like it's, it's helpful. I don't, you know, not everyone's going to go deep or all the way. Right. Some people are just going to take little pieces, but that's, that's better than nothing. Mm -hmm. So that was sort of that philosophy. But with all the money I spent on therapists, um, mediocre therapists over the years. Yeah. Mike only really likes one of his therapists, right? Yeah. And I just lost the point I was going to make. All the money you spent. I know, but I, I, I lost my thought. It'll come back. It'll come yeah. Back. Anyway. Well, yeah. you know, one of the things that we tell our couples is that there's only so much that we could do meeting with you one hour a week. Right. You know, right. there are things you have to be practicing on a daily basis, you know, and so this home study course really gives them that opportunity right. to be learning right. on the side. Right, exactly, because really an hour a week is like, uh, it's almost pathetic. I mean... It just yeah. puts such a heavy burden on the therapist and on the couple um, because when people are in a lot of pain, they want to feel, they, it's hard to sit in that pain for a long time. They want to start feeling better quickly. So yeah, dealing with that. I remember my thought. It's, it's astounding to me how different individual therapy is from couples therapy. Right. And that, that was a huge education for me to, 
you know, Jennifer says, you know, they both want you to take their side and, and all that and to get them to define the fight they've had a thousand times called their cycle and give it a name and make the cycle the enemy instead of their partners. You know, now you're getting psyched. And once you can write a story and a narrative around it, oh, I'm reacting this way because that, 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 they get to slow down. And, but um, yeah, yeah it's, it's such a difference. I, I, the majority of therapists I've ever met in my life had no clue about doing couples. Well, you know, they only had, mm-hmm. knew how to do one on one. Well, it's also because couples therapy has really only bloomed in the last 20 years, even in grad school, which was 20 years ago for me. Um, yeah, about 20 years ago, there we weren't trained. In, we got, I think, zero education in yeah. couples therapy. And then you come out and you're an intern, and the first thing you get is a couple. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> you go running for into some, the frying pan. You got to go running for some training immediately, um, because you can, intuition will get you far, but not far enough. There's a whole skill set. If you can't hold a boundary, you're in trouble. If you can't, you know, I mean, there's a lot going on in couples. So. Well, I mean, plus, you know, how managed care has really stifled the growth of, right. of marriage counseling. I mean, it's right. a part yeah. of the reason why we created our model in working with couples, right. you know, and because of the dynamics and yeah. there's so yeah. much going on. So when I'm working with the husbands and Gene is working with the wives individually, and then we come together and we're doing the conjoint work, you know, right. in our structured program, we're able to really not become those, those referees, you know, right. as yeah. we are really right. familiar right. with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be the parent with the two siblings that are fighting. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's really hard. Right. So, you know, it's it's interesting when you're talking about this concept of this one hour a week thing. And I was just talking with my uh, my physical personal trainer. Right. And he's like, we're like plants, you know, and every day you do something, you add some sunshine and some water. And if you look at it, you'd swear nothing was happening. But over time, you can look back and go, wow, we've really created something here. And I think people really expect like this microwave type of version, just put in a couple of hours and everything's going to be different, even though I've got 30, 40 years of history behind me. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's completely true. And it's a real it's always confused me like that. You know, they'll spend hours Forgive me, anyone out there who's planning a wedding. The people will spend hours and hours and days and weeks and months planning a wedding, but they actually don't set the foundation to have a good marriage. Mm-hmm. It's the event, the symbolism of the event that's so important, the idea of the union. But to make it work, to make that marriage work, I mean, some people get lucky, but there's a lot of people that have you know, huge stuff to go through, to work through before they can really have the kind of relationship they want. And it's just not part of common knowledge. Yeah, I That's think- why we like to give people for their weddings a subscription to Weekendstyle <laughs> as a wedding present. <laughs> yeah, that, that I think is where it's really going to come from. You know, uh, the community or the families or the village would set the, up the the shower so they could have dishes and they could have yeah. the the things they need to survive. But you know, we live in a different time when relationship is so much more important than it was to our grandparents and, and yeah. so much more complex. Right. And that and, training has to happen outside of a family. And the community right. community is gone now. Mm-hmm. Right. We yeah. don't have community. Yeah. 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 And also, you know, we, it used to, relationships used to be based on survival. You know, 
you got you got you got married and you're to stay married and someone made the money and someone did bake, bake the bread and blah 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 they're not based exactly on that people are really looking for a true love soul connection heart connection and but they have baggage that prevents it that prevents it from fully manifesting and that's really it is it's like you know you got to take a look at your baggage and start um you know putting it out into the light and uh letting the stuff in the basement get some air and uh Re reorganizing it but you know my biggest disappointment on our week and cell journey is how unwilling people are to put in the work they all have pain right we discovered that a lot but, of people but boy once it gets down into the amount of work they're going to have to do they they there's a high they, resistance to doing yeah. some people will do it but a lot of people will not yeah um, they're not i it's, don't know i don't know what it is but they don't want it, to do it it appears to be too much work for them to do and so they go back to just kind of tolerating their their mediocre lives. Well, that's why I'm really glad we're having this conversation because the work does pay off and you right. only know what you know. So you really don't know what you're going to get if you put the work in. Oh. And so it takes, you know, pioneers right. in this field to do it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. not just not just teach right. it but live it and and become that model that you are this beacon for people. Yeah. And you can say there is a way. It doesn't matter what's happening in your past or what you do or don't know. There is an opportunity here to continue to grow because that's the point. Yeah. That's the point. Of exactly. That. that relationships aren't static. Mm -hmm. It's and, you know, you got to keep it's like you got to keep watering the flower and mm -hmm. it'll keep growing. But if you stop watering it, well, it's not going to do so well. No. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about something more fun. What okay. are, what is each of your favorite memory of being in this relationship? What is some like great experience you have a vacation or a great time that you guys have had together? Uh, well, go I'm going to go first and it, it might sound silly, but uh, our wedding was fabulous mm -hmm. for me. Fabulous. The whole experience. We got 80 people to come up to Orcas Island and um, we had a party the night before, just a casual outside barbecue. And we invited eight people to come up in groups of eight. And we said, okay, the eight of you are gonna be at the same table tomorrow. And then I told a little bitty story, 15, 20, 30 seconds about each person, gave them their connecting points and sent them back. And boy, connecting everybody like that, it was amazing. And yeah. we had a double rainbow during our reception. Yes. Oh, oh, that's fabulous. That nice. Yeah. Yes. Um, so our wedding was for really me spectacular. Nice yeah. Uh, I have a lot of, I don't have a favorite memory. I have a lot of little, like a mosaic of memories. You know, I'm like sitting at our old house, sitting in the hot tub and my cat would come up and, you know, hang out with us. And just, just a whole bunch of nice, sweet little memories. I don't mm -hmm. have like a pinnacle memory. Mm -hmm. And that's what we hear a lot from couples is it really is those small moments that are so yeah. much more important than the grand gestures or the, yeah. what you think right. is going to be the big thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's the small moments that can tear things apart too, over time as they compile. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, bad yeah. moment after bad moment. Right. Right. The funniest thing that comes out of this is that, uh, I know you don't claim this, but somebody said 90% of all fights are a result of tone of voice. Right. You know, it's, it's not just the words. Yeah, tone it's of the voice. attitude and the tone of voice and that can make your life really happy or really unhappy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so did I get this correct that you guys met when you lived in Los Angeles? 
Del Mar. I was in, I was living in Los Angeles and he was living in San Diego and I was down in San Diego visiting a friend and the three of us had dinner and that's how we met. Okay. So now you live in a very different place. How has the environment that you've lived in, you know, really shaped or supported your relationship? Um, well, we are more reliant on each other. Uh, there's, you know, uh, there's not, Mike doesn't have a big network, the same kind of network. And also with COVID, we're more reliant on each other. And we live in a, you know, we live in a, a place where, you know, we live on land with a garden. And so our life is pretty different. It's not, it's not like, you know, run out to, let's go run out and have breakfast. It's just a there, there is no more nightlife. <laughs> There's no nightlife right now, except for in the, the family room. Um, but yeah, it's, um, I think it's made us rely on each other more. Um, we're, uh, Mike is very extroverted. I'm very introverted. Um, so, so I think for him, it was a much bigger adjustment coming to coming here. Uh, for me, I grew up in a rural area and was very comfortable uh, in that in a rural area. And but I think it may have changed your reliance on me more. Well, my disease is causing and your and your uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, your muscular dystrophy makes makes him rely more on me, which is actually good for you because you've been in, in the sense that you you're learning that it's okay to rely on someone. It's a whole new experience for me. Right. And if I uh, had my old vitality, I'd be making you tired right now. <laughs> I, I, I assure right. you. <laughs> Can you guys talk about affection and how important is that in your relationship? Yeah. Um, well, we sit, uh, usually watch a TV show every night, one, you know, and just sit for, you know, an hour together. And we've got our two dogs on the couch with us. And we, you yeah, know, that's just we, oxytocin time. Yeah, yeah old hands, you know? whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. It's it is oxytocin with, with the uh, furry children and each other. Yeah, yeah. so we um, and we had hit the pause button a lot. You know, something is interesting. Either one of us can hit the pause button and talk about something. Sometimes that's fun too. Yeah, we and we just have a lot of um, well, we have a lot of interaction and definitely a lot of affection. And I, that was one of the problems with my first marriage is there wasn't, there wasn't that affection. And, you know, you get into the Gottman stuff. It was more in that line and affection doesn't coexist well with criticism, no. for instance. So, you know, you got to clear the field of all the, the negative to get really space to have affection happen. Yeah. And, and affection, it yeah, really yeah, does so much for like us. The other thing that helps with affection is when I make her laugh. Absolutely. <laughs> then she gets affection. She's more affectionate right after when she I, laughs. When I'm in a good mood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes a difference. I figured that out. Yeah. 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 Well, so, last question. So last question. What is it that your partner does that you know they love you? Um Mike does a lot of things. He, um, he is helping me with my business and that makes me feel very supported by him. Um, he, he does things like, um, talks to the dogs and says, mommy's going to get you a treat. Uh, you know, just these little things that make me, you know, that make me feel um, special and important. Yeah. What do you, what would you say? Yeah. I think ma making her mommy to the furry, furry children. She loves that because she never had kids <laughs> of her own, kids, but I don't and, regret that. And now we have an, a dwarf adopted uh, deer. That's uh, stumpy that stumpy. Jennifer's now adopted another animal. I think stumpy, the deer is going to be sleeping in the dog room no, shortly. No, no, no. <laughs> anyway. So what is it about her that 
you know she loves you? Um, the way she feeds me. Oh my God, that's fabulous. She's an amazing <laughs> cook. And um, she's really happy if I'll just come and hang out with her while she cooks. And so that's really good time for us too. Because uh, we can shoot the shit and she'll say, look something up on a recipe or whatever. But yeah. So even though I've never really thought of the kitchen as anywhere close to fun. Um, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. And, and our meals are really great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jennifer, if, uh, if people want to know more about WeConcile, how can they um, get more information? Um. W-E-C-O-N-C-I-L-E.com, WeConcile.com. If you, um, there's a blog there. I do, I do put a post every month. I do a, a, a relation, something on some aspect of relating. Um, and on the landing site, there's a quiz, a relationship on, quality quiz. It's also WeConcile.com slash quiz. You can take the, um, this is just a short, I think it's 10 questions. Um, and it will help you look at how you're doing in certain areas of your relationship. Uh, it, yeah, it, it's, it's good for both partners to take it individually and then compare scores. See how they did. You guys will get a really high score, so don't worry about it. But yeah, anyway, yeah. you can find me on um, Instagram is, you know, at WeConcile or Facebook at WeConcile. Um, yeah. Wonderful. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Jennifer and Mike, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. It was fun. Very yeah. enjoyable. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you. You we, know, sharing stories is the way that human beings have been processing and growing and bonding since the beginning of time. And we hope that by you guys yeah. sharing your story, it's enriched your lives and the lives of our listeners. Yeah, mm. yeah, I hope so. We want to thank you wholeheartedly uh, for listening to us on Couple Synergy today. Our passion is in helping couples have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a review. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couples Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, the Couples Weekend Intensive, our online community called Connections, and our premier program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, Please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.